to know going into it that it's very straightforward. Paul is going to be taking a lot of the stuff he's already told us and taught us, and he's going to apply it to very specific context or situations or relationships more specifically. Three relationships, in fact. He's going to apply what he's teaching us to marriage, to family, and to what I would call authority-based or essentially working relationships. Now, the first thing I want to address is, why does this matter to you, right? I'm in high school, Isaac. Like, I don't think I'm getting married anytime soon, unless you're like Alan, then maybe you might be. I would hope not, though. <laughs> and so you're probably thinking, Isaac, I, I don't know what you want me to do with this verse. And I want to address a couple things. So number one, whether you're in the context of what the verse is talking about or not, that doesn't mean we can't get something out of it. Something like just understanding the character of God more and therefore knowing more about God, which will help us to be more like him. And also, again, whether you're in the context of this situation or not, there are still information or bits and things from these passages that we can take and eventually we'll apply it and there are things we can apply now. Now, like I said, the first relationship Paul talks about is marriage. So cue my obligatory marriage photo, which is going to go up on the screen now. Lovely photo, Bailey and I from our wedding. You give, clap for Bailey, clap for Bailey. I mean, come on, look at that, all right? I married up, as you can see, very much up, right? Now, I'm pleased to tell you that thanks to my five months, almost five months of marriage, I'm clearly an expert and absolutely, unequivocally, the best person and option to teach on this passage. I mean, come on, almost five months, I've, I got it figured out, okay? That's a joke, of course. That's not true, I'm just kidding. You know, frankly, if we're being honest, uh, really the only person who would be worse than me to teach on marriage is probably Caleb, so. <laughs> um, but of course, the good news is we're learning from the word of God and not the word of Isaac. So let's go to him in prayer and then we'll dig into the passage, all right? Heavenly Father, um, we're just so thankful for this time, this opportunity to be here, to, to fellowship, to hear from you, to grow closer to you. God, I just want you to be heard, to be known in this time, God. I'm just a guy and I'm up here trying to pretend like I have it together or I know things, but really we just all need to hear from you, God. We need Jesus above all else. So I pray that each and every one of us would hear from you, Lord. Would you, would you be here? Would your presence be clear? And you give us your Holy Spirit that we would understand your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So, like I said, first part is marriage. So let's get into that chunk of our passage tonight, which is Ephesians 5, verses 22 through 33, and it says this. It says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, 
without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Now that's a thick passage, okay, like with three C's. This is really the most complex part of our passage. And understand that Entire books have been written on this passage alone. In fact, Bailey and I just got done going through a six-week series on only this passage with our community group. Six sermons, all of them like an hour long on just this passage. So understand that there's a lot in here because it's about marriage. Now, of course, I'm not going to be able to get to every one of those details, but I'm going to give you a lot of the important bits that you need. Now, the first thing that Paul shows us from this chunk of passage is that husbands and wives are called to different things in their marriage. He says that wives are called to submission and respect, and husbands are called to love and headship. Now, before you ladies get mad at me, all right? Because I hear you, right? Oh, I don't think so, Isaac. Ain't no man going to tell me what to do. He made the house a mess. He's going to clean it himself. Uh-uh. I ain't making no dinner. I work all day, too. I'm a strong, independent woman, and I don't need no man, okay? I hear you. <laughs> I hear you, right? Listen, I want you to understand something here. The Bible doesn't say anything about your traditional gender roles, per se, right? What the Bible is talking about when Paul says submission and respect, it's not about being second place to a man or letting a man be king over you and you cater to his every whim and he just watches football when he gets home, right? What God is talking about and is calling wives to is willful submission in light of equality. See, because God makes men and women, all of us human beings, equal. Each one of us are made in God's image. No man is greater than any woman and no woman greater than any man, right? We're all the same under God's eyes. We're all made in his image. And so what that means is, yes, we are equal. And what God is asking you to do is submit to your husband's spiritual leadership like Jesus did. And what I'm talking about is when Jesus was going to be crucified for our sins, remember, he goes to the garden and he prays and he says, God, if there's any way, take this cup from me, but your will be done. Because Jesus is no less God than God the Father, right? They're both equally God, no one greater than the other, the Father or the Son, but Jesus in this moment is willing to submit to the will of the Father for the sake of saving our sins. And what Paul is saying here is that God is calling wives to do the same, like Jesus did. Not because of inferiority, but in spite of being equal, right? Now, 
Also to be clear though, right, Paul calls husbands to headship of the family like Jesus as head of the church. Well, we don't think of Jesus like a brooding dictator, right? And so it's not about husbands then lording leadership like a dictator over their families. You know, Jesus was a servant leader. He died on the cross for us, despite us very much not deserving it. So what Paul is saying is he's asking a husband to die for his wife and family. And I'm not just talking about like jump in front of the bullet when the guy tries to shoot type of thing. I'm talking about in everyday life too. Here's, here's a good example. In the sermon series Bailey and I were listening to, it's preached by J.D. Greer, and he says that the husband should lose 99% of the arguments that you're in. Now, here's kind of a good picture of what that means. So on December 19th, Bailey and I will be getting a puppy, which is very exciting. If you want to see pictures, I have some. You can see them later, all right? But uh, in the process of us, you know, getting this puppy, we've been talking about what do we name the dog. And uh, Bailey doesn't like my name ideas, okay? My favorite option to name the dog is Skooks, okay? Listen, make fun of me all you want. I think it's hilarious, and I want to name the dog Skooks, okay? I think it's funny. I know it's weird, all right? I don't want to explain the reference. It's strange and, frankly, inappropriate, all right? So I'm not going to tell you about it. But, but, here's the thing, right? Bailey and I have not agreed yet on a name. And so, to put this passage into perspective, I should not look at Bailey and go, well, I'm the man, and so we're going to name the dog whatever I want to name it. <laughs> boy no right that's not how it works because at the end of the day does the name of our dog affect our spiritual life and growth no no it doesn't not at all right of course it doesn't and so really if i look at bailey and say well i kind of want to name the dog skooks and she says isaac that's a weird name we should name it something else i should look at bailey and go uh well okay what what do you want to name it and whatever bailey says we should be able to agree on that because it's not significant or important to everything we're doing for the rest of our lives, right? However, however, let's give another scenario. Let's say at the end of my residency, right, because my residency at Redemption Chapel is two and a half years. Let's say at the end of my residency, I get a job offer and feel God call me to work at a church, say, in another state, uh, like Texas, for example. Now, we get to that time, I feel God calling me there, and we pray about it, and we pray about it, and Bailey and I talk, and she prays about it, and she's like, I don't really want to move to Texas, though. Well, we're going to Texas, because God has called us there. God has put me in the position to make a decision of leadership for the spiritual and future of our family. And that is a very different scenario in which God has called me into leadership, right? Now, let me be very clear real quick with this submission and leadership type of idea. It's only applied in two places, the home and the church. Anywhere else, this does not apply. So that does not mean that all men should be the CEOs of all companies or the head of every organization, right? What Paul is saying here is this is what your marriage should look like and this is what the church should be shaped by. Not businesses and armies and organizations or what have you, right? So that's a key thing. 
Now, the other thing I want you to understand as well, there's a, there's a part in here in verse, uh, sorry, 31. In verse 31, where Paul says, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. So don't miss that part where Paul says that the man is the one who initiates, and that's part of headship. The man has a responsibility to initiate the leaving of his father and mother and initiating marriage and initiating things like date nights, et cetera, et cetera, right? That comes with leadership. And I also want you to remember that when Alex talked to us at the very end of his passage, it was Ephesians 5.21, it says submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. You can't forget that part. Because what that part tells us leading into this is that it's not about I'm in charge and you're second to me. It's about we're both trying to be more like Jesus. And Jesus has given us specific parts of him that we're supposed to act like in this marriage. Okay, now that we've got my uh, marriage seminar out of the way, let's move on to the next chunk of our passage, which is chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. And it says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So you'll begin to see that there's a bit of a pattern that's being created here you'll see that there's a theme that this chunk of our passage matches with the last chunk of our passage. And that is that submitting and following the authority that God has created. The theme is to submit to and follow the authority that God has created. See, because your parents don't have authority over you for no reason. You see that God is saying that he has created them in a position of authority, and he is what we would say, or, or your parents are what we would say, anointed with that leadership over you. And so what I want you to understand by knowing that is that to listen and to respect your parents is the same as to listen to and respect God. I'll say that again in case you missed that part. To listen to and respect your parents is to listen to and respect God because he has put them there for a reason. And Paul even mentions that listening and respecting your parents comes with a promise that doing so will benefit you. So let me give you a more personal example of what that looks like. Many of you know as important part of my story that when I was in high school, when I was 17, my dad died from cancer. Now, I want you to know that the best and most impactful example I ever got of what it looks like to live like a Christian was undoubtedly from my dad. See, the most clear and, and distinct memory I have Every day of my dad is not all the times we spent on the golf course together or maybe when he got upset with me, but it was every morning when I would come downstairs and he was always on the couch reading his Bible. Every single day, without fail. I knew it. I knew he was going to be there, and he always was. And that had a, 
such a definitive impact on me. Even when he was going through chemo and had every awful, miserable thing happen to him, he never, ever, ever stopped chasing after God and trying to grow closer to him, reading his Bible, being in prayer. And nothing stuck out to me more than that. And so I'm encouraging you with this to say that I don't know what your situation with your parents is like. I don't know if you know your parents at all. But I would encourage you, if not your parents, but some parental figure in your life, seek a deeper relationship or a more spiritual relationship with them. Because I can promise you that there is something you can learn from that. It impacted me immensely, and I know it can do the same for you. But another thing I think we need to get from this chunk of passage as well is that people younger than us are looking up to us and learning from our example. Maybe you have younger siblings, maybe you volunteer at Kid Zone at Huddle, maybe it's at your school. People younger than you, whether you acknowledge it or not, are looking up to you. They see your example, they see the things you do, and it sticks out to them. It matters to them, they notice it, it has significance. And so I don't miss that, it's really important. So I want you to ask yourselves and keep in your mind, the actions that I am doing, the way I live, the way I talk, when people younger than me or under me see my example, are they doing the right thing? If they act like me, will they be closer to God? I would think about that question. So now let's move on to the last chunk of our passage, which is Ephesians 6, 5 through 9. And it says this, Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or is free. Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and there is no partiality with him. So Paul is closing our passage with kind of a final notion of submission to those in authority. Now, what I want you to kind of see from this passage is that whether you're working for someone, an employer, volunteer, any scenario where you're not an authority figure, God is calling us to kindly and joyfully do what others ask of us. I mean, look at the context of this passage. Bond servants is essentially another kind of word for slave. It's not the exact same thing, but it's similar, right? And he, God is calling them to do their work well, not because they want to look good or make other people like them or, you know, be high and mighty, but because Christ is calling them to, because Jesus is asking them to. But also don't miss the part where Paul says something very radical for this context in the Bible, where he says in verse 9 that both the master's master and the bondservant's master is God in heaven, 
and that God sees no partiality between them. This is radical because at this time, people were so deeply divided by social classes. And what Paul is saying is that God views them the same. There is no social class in the eyes of God. Either way, God views them the same, loves them the same. There is no difference in his eyes. So whether it's marriage, family, any relationship you're a part of, God is calling us to willful submission, regardless of your status of equality or, or any of that, right? It's about being like Jesus. So let me give you a, a couple more practical examples, right? Ways to accurately live this out. So let's say your teacher, or frankly, anyone at your school, another student, anybody, just asks you to do something. Hey, can you help me pass out these papers? Or, um, hey, uh, you know, would, I don't have anyone to sit with at lunch. You know, can you sit with me today? Anytime someone asks you to do something, it should be our joy and willingness to do what they ask. Let's say you go home and maybe your parents ask you with, for help with something. Maybe it's just go clean your room or uh, help your siblings with homework, do some extra dishes, those types of things. Remember that not just your parents are asking you to do these things. God is asking you to do these things because he's put them in that position for a reason and it should be our joy and delight to be willing to submit to that authority. Maybe you come together, you do something a little foolish, and a leader looks at you and says, hey, come on, you gotta cut that out. We can't be doing stuff like that here. We should be willing to listen and be humbled in those positions and learn. What I want you to understand is that it's not about being obedient because I want you to, right? I'm not really, like, I'm not gonna get anything out of you doing everything I say. You know, I'm not getting at anything like, oh, you know, your parents like me now because, you know, I told their kids they got to listen to them, and that's real great for me. It's about serving others because that's what Jesus did, right? Isn't that what we're here to do is be more like Jesus? Plain and simple. That's what it's about. Serving others because that's what Jesus did. Straightforward, flat out right? I told you this passage was straightforward. So I hope you kind of get that. I hope you understand that. It's not about being a doormat. It's about being willing to submit to others as a servant because that's what Jesus did. Now there's one quick asterisk, one stipulation that you have to remember from this passage, and that it's that it has to be biblical, right? Good example. We submit to the authority of the government because God has placed it there. The Bible says that. However, as soon as the government tells us to do something that's against the Bible or sinful, well, God is first. God is our ultimate king above all else. And so we listen to God. So long as it doesn't go against the Bible, though, we always submit to the authorities that God has placed over us because that's what he calls us to do and to have a servant's heart. So I'm gonna pray for this, and then we'll do a little bit more worship before we head out of here, all right? So why don't you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you for you. We thank you, God, for who you are. 
And we just pray that you would give us opportunities to be like you. Because at the end of the day, Lord, that's what we're striving for. That's what we want in our hearts, God. I want to be more like you. And so what I take these things, these words, your word that you've placed in front of me, and would you guide me to you that I would be like you, God. And I pray that over all these students. Guide us and lead us through this time in worship to be connected with you, God. I pray all these things in your precious name, Jesus. Amen.